Chapter fifty five, part two of a popular history of France from the earliest times, volume six. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. A popular history of France from the earliest times, volume six, by Francois Guizot. Translated by Robert Black. Chapter fifty five. Louis the fifteenth, the philosophers, part two. Wholly indulgent and indifferent as might be the government of the regent and of Dubois, it was a little scared at the liberties taken by Voltaire with the Catholic Church. He was required to make excisions in order to get permission to print the poem. The author was here, there, and everywhere in a great flutter and preoccupied with his literary, financial, and fashionable affairs. In receipt of a pension from the Queen, and received as a visitor at La Source near Orléans by Lord Bolingbroke in his exile, every day becoming more brilliant and more courted, he was augmenting his fortune by profitable speculations, and appeared on the point of finding himself well off, when an incident which betrayed the remnant still remaining of barbarous manners occurred to envenom for a long while the poet's existence. He had a quarrel at the opera with Chevalier Rouen Chabot, a court libertine of little repute. The scene took place in the presence of Mademoiselle Adrienne Le Couvreur. The great actress fainted when they were separated. Two days afterwards, when Voltaire was dining at the Duke of Sully's, a servant came to tell him that he was wanted at the door of the hotel. The poet went out without any suspicion, though he had already been the victim of several embuscades. A coach was standing in the street, and he was requested to get in. At that instant two men, throwing themselves upon him and holding him back by his clothes, showered upon him a hailstorm of blows with their sticks. The Chevalier de Rouen, prudently ensconced in a second vehicle and superintending the execution of his cowardly vengeance shouted to his servants quote, don't hit him on the head something good may come out of it when voltaire at last succeeded in escaping from these miscreants to take refuge in sully's house he was half dead blows with a stick were not at that time an unheard-of procedure in social relations quote, whatever would become of us if poets had no shoulders, was the brutal remark of the Bishop of Blois, M. de Comartin. But the customs of society did not admit a poet to the honour of obtaining satisfaction from whoever insulted him. The great lords, friends of Voltaire, who had accustomed him to attention and flattery, abandoned him piteously in his quarrel with Chevalier de Rohan. Quote, Those blows were well gotten and ill-given, said the Prince of Conti, that was all the satisfaction Voltaire obtained. Quote, the poor victim shows himself as much as possible at court in the city, says the Marais News, but nobody pities him, and those whom he considered his friends have turned their backs upon him. Voltaire was not of an heroic nature, but excess of rage and indignation had given him courage. He had scarcely ever had a sword in his hand. He rushed to the fencers and practised from morning till night in order to be in a position to demand satisfaction. So much ardour disquieted Chevalier de Rohan and his family. His uncle, the cardinal, took precautions. The lieutenant of police wrote to the officer of the watch, quote, Sir, his highness is informed that Chevalier de Rohan is going away to-day, and as he might have some fresh affair with Sieur de Voltaire, or the latter might do something rash, his desire is for you to see that nothing comes of it, end quote. Voltaire anticipated the intentions of the lieutenant of police. He succeeded in sending a challenge to Chevalier de Rohan. 
the latter accepted it for the next day he even chose his ground but before the hour fixed voltaire was arrested and taken to the bastille he remained there a month public opinion was beginning to pity him marshal villers writes in his memoir quote, the chevalier was very much inconvenienced by a fall which did not admit of his handling a sword he took the course of having a caning administered in broad day to voltaire who instead of adopting legal proceedings thought vengeance by arms more noble it is asserted that he sought it diligently but too indiscreetly cardinal rohan asked m le duc to have him put in the bastille orders to that effect were given and executed and the poor poet after being beaten was imprisoned into the bargain the public whose inclination is to blame everybody and everything justly considered in this case that everybody was in the wrong voltaire for having offended chevalier de rohan the latter for having dared to commit a crime worthy of death in causing a citizen to be beaten the government for not having punished a notorious misdeed and for having put the beaty in the bastille to tranquillize the beater voltaire left the bastille on the third of may seventeen twenty six and was accompanied by an exon to calais having asked as a favour to be sent to england but scarcely had he set foot on english territory scarcely had he felt himself free when the recurring sense of outraged honour made him take the road back to france quote, i confess to you my dear Theriot, he wrote to one of his friends that i made a little trip to paris a short time ago as i did not call upon you you will easily conclude that i did not call upon anybody i was in search of one man only whom his dastardly instinct kept concealed from me as if he guessed that i was on his track at last the fear of being discovered made me depart more precipitously than i had come that is the fact my dear Theriot. there is every appearance of my never seeing you again i have but two things to do with my life to hazard it with honour as soon as i can and to end it in the obscurity of a retreat which suits my way of thinking my misfortunes and the knowledge i have of men voltaire passed three years in england engaged in learning english and finishing la henriade which he published by subscription in seventeen twenty seven touched by the favour shown by english society to the author and the poem he dedicated to the queen of england his new work which was entirely consecrated to the glory of france three successive editions were disposed of in less than three weeks lord bolingbroke having returned to england and been restored to favour did potent service to his old friend who lived in the midst of that literary society in which pope and swift held sway without however relaxing his reserve with its impress of melancholy quote, i live the life of a bosicrucian he wrote to his friends always on the move and always in hiding when in the month of march seventeen twenty nine voltaire at last obtained permission to revisit france he had worked much without bringing out anything the riches he had thus amassed appeared ere long before the end of the year seventeen thirty one he put brutus on the stage and began his publication of the histoire de charles le douze he was at the same time giving the finishing touch to Eryphil and la mort de césar zaire written in a few weeks was played for the first time on the thirteenth of august seventeen thirty two he had dedicated it to mr falkner an english merchant who had overwhelmed him with attentions during his exile Quote, my satisfaction grows as i write to tell you of it 
he writes to his friend Sidville in the fullness of joy, never was a piece so well played as Zaire at the fourth appearance. I very much wished you had been there. You would have seen that the public does not hate your friend. I appeared in a box, and the whole pit clapped their hands at me. I blushed, I hid myself, but I should be a humbug if I did not confess to you that I was sensibly affected. It is pleasant not to be dishonoured in one's own country." Voltaire had just inaugurated the great national tragedy of his country, as he had likewise given it the only national epopée attempted in France since the Chanson de Geste. By one of those equally sudden and imprudent reactions to which he was always subject, it was not long before he himself damaged his own success by the publication of his Lettre philosophique sur les Anglais. The light and mocking tone of these letters, the constant comparison between the two peoples, with many a jibe at the English, but always turning to their advantage, the preference given to the philosophical system of Newton over that of Descartes, lastly the attacks upon religion concealed beneath the cloak of banter, all this was more than enough to ruffle the tranquillity of Cardinal Fleury. The book was brought before Parliament, Voltaire was disquieted, quote, there is but one letter about Mr. Locke, he wrote to M. de Sidville. The only philosophical matter I have treated of in it is the little trifle of the immortality of the soul, but the thing is of too much consequence to be treated seriously. It had to be mangled so as not to come into direct conflict with our lords, the theologians, gentry who so clearly see the spirituality of the soul that, if they could, they would consign to the flames the bodies of those who have a doubt about it." The theologians confined themselves to burning the book. The decree of Parliament delivered on the 10th of June, 1734, ordered at the same time the arrest of the author. The bookseller was already in the Bastille. Voltaire was in the country, attending the Duke of Richelieu's second marriage. Hearing of the danger that threatened him, he took fright and ran for refuge to Bale. He soon left it to return to the castle of Cirey, to the Marchioness du Châtelet's, a woman as learned as she was impassioned, devoted to literature, physics, and mathematics, and tenderly attached to Voltaire, whom she enticed along with her into the paths of science. For fifteen years Madame du Châtelet and Cirey ruled supreme over the poet's life. There began a course of metaphysics, tales, tragedies. Alzir, Merope, Mahomet were composed at Cirey and played with ever-increasing success. Pope Benedict XIV had accepted the dedication of Mahomet, which Voltaire had addressed to him in order to cover the freedoms of his peace. Every now and then, terrified in consequence of some bit of anti-religious rashness, he took flight, going into hiding at one time to the court of Lorenz beneath the wing of King Stanislaus, at another time in Holland at a palace belonging to the King of Prussia, the great Frederick. Madame du Châtelet, as unbelieving as he at bottom, but more reserved in expression, often scolded him for his imprudence. Quote, he requires every moment to be saved from himself, she would say. I employ more policy in managing him than the whole Vatican employs to keep all Christendom in its fetters. On the appearance of danger, Voltaire ate his words without scruple. His irreligious writings were usually launched under cover of the anonymous. At every step, however, he was advancing farther and farther into the lists, and at the very moment when he wrote to Father Latour, quote, 
if ever anybody has printed in my name a single page which could scandalize even the parish beadle i am ready to tear it up before his eyes all europe regarded him as the leader of the open or secret attacks which were beginning to burst not only upon the catholic church but upon the fundamental verities common to all christians madame du chatelet died on the fourth of september seventeen forty nine at luneville where she then happened to be with voltaire their intimacy had experienced many storms yet the blow was a cruel one for the poet in losing madame de chatelet he was losing the centre and the guidance of his life for a while he spoke of burying himself with dom calmet in the abbey of Sanon. then he would be off to england he ended by returning to paris summoning to his side a widowed niece madame denis a woman of coarse wit and full of devotion to him who was fond of the drama and played her uncle's pieces on the little theatre which he had fitted up in his rooms at that time Oreste was being played at the comedie francaise its success did not answer the author's expectations Quote, all that could possibly give a handle to criticism says marmontel who was present was groaned at or turned into ridicule the play was interrupted by it every instant voltaire came in and just as the pit were turning into ridicule a stroke of pathos he jumped up and shouted oh you barbarians that is sophocles rome sauve was played on the stage of sceaux at the duchess of mainz voltaire himself took the part of cicero lequin as yet quite a youth and making his first appearance under the auspices of voltaire said of this representation i do not think it possible to hear anything more pathetic and real than m de voltaire it was in fact cicero himself thundering at the bar despite the lustre of that fame which was attested by the frequent attacks of his enemies as much as by the admiration of his friends voltaire was displeased with his sojourn at paris and weary of the court and the men of letters the king had always exhibited towards him a coldness which the poet's adulation had not been able to overcome he had offended madame de pompadour who had but lately been well disposed towards him the religious circle ranged around the queen and the dauphin was of course hostile to him Quote, the place of historiographer to the king was but an empty title he says himself but i wanted to make it a reality by working at the history of the war of seventeen forty one but in spite of my work moncrif had admittance to his majesty and i had not in tracing the tragic episodes of the war voltaire set as his mind was on the royal favour had wanted in the first place to pay homage to the friends he had lost it was in the quote, eulogium of the officers who fell in the campaign of seventeen forty one that he touchingly called attention to the memory of vauvenargues he born at aix on the sixth of august seventeen fifteen died of his wounds at paris in seventeen forty seven poor and proud resigning himself with a sigh to idleness and obscurity the young officer had written merely to relieve his mind his friends had constrained him to publish a little book one only the introduction de la connaissance de l'esprit humain suivi de réflexion et de maxime its success justified their affectionate hopes delicate minds took keen delight in the first essays of vauvenargues hesitating between religion and philosophy with a palpable leaning towards the latter ill and yet bravely bearing the disappointments and sufferings of his life vauvenargues was already expiring at thirty years of age 
when Provence was invaded by the enemy. The humiliation of his country and the peril of his native province roused him from his tranquil melancholy. Quote, All Provence is in arms, he wrote to his friend Fourie de Saint-Vincent, and here am I quite quietly in my chimney-corner. The bad state of my eyes and of my health is not sufficient excuse for me, and I ought to be where all the gentlemen of the province are. Send me word, then, I beg, immediately whether there is still any employment to be had in our newly raised levies, and whether I should be sure to be employed if I were to go to Provence. Before his friend's answer had reached Vauvenargues, the Austrians and the Piedmontese had been forced to evacuate Provence. The dying man remained in his chimney-corner, where he soon expired, leaving amongst the public, and still more amongst those who had known him personally, the impression of great promise sadly extinguished. Quote, it was his fate, says his faithful biographer, M. Gilbert, to be always opening his wings and to be unable to take flight. End quote. Voltaire, quite on the contrary, was about to take a fresh flight. After several rebuffs and long opposition on the part of the eighteen ecclesiastics, who at that time had seats in the French Academy, he had been elected to it in 1746. In 1750 he offered himself at one and the same time for the Academy of Sciences and the Academy of Inscriptions. He failed in both candidatures. This mishap filled the cup of his ill-humour. For a long time past Frederick II had been offering the poet favours which he had long refused. The disgust he experienced at Paris through his insatiable vanity made him determined upon seeking another arena. After having accepted a pension and a place from the King of Prussia, Voltaire set out for Berlin. But lately allied to France, to which he was ere long to deal such heavy blows, Frederick II was French by inclination, in literature, and in philosophy, but he was a bad German scholar. He always wrote and spoke in French, and his court was the resort of the cultivated French wits, too bold in their views to live in peace at Paris. Maupertuis, La Maîtrie, and the Marquis of Argent had preceded Voltaire to Berlin. He was received there with enthusiasm, and as sovereign of the little court of philosophers, quote, a hundred and fifty thousand victorious soldiers, he wrote in a letter to Paris, no attorneys, opera, plays, philosophy, poetry, a hero who is a philosopher and a poet, grandeur and graces, grenadiers and muses, trumpets and violins, Plato's Symposium, Society and Freedom. Who would believe it? It is all true, however. Voltaire found his duties as Chamberlain very light. Quote, it is Caesar, it is Marcus Aurelius, it is Julian, it is sometimes Abbe Chaulieu, with whom I sup. There is the charm of retirement, there is the freedom of the country, with all those little delights of life which a lord of a castle who is a king can procure for his very obedient humble servants and guests. My own duties are to do nothing. I enjoy my leisure. I give an hour a day to the King of Prussia to touch up a bit his works in prose and verse. I am his grammarian, not his chamberlain. The rest of the day is my own, and the evening ends with a pleasant supper. Never in any place in the world was there more freedom of speech touching the superstitions of men and never were they treated with more banter and contempt. God is respected, but all they who have cajoled men in his name are treated unsparingly. 
the coarseness of the germans and the mocking infidelity of the french vied with each other in license sometimes voltaire felt that things were carried rather far Quote, here be we three or four foreigners like monks in an abbey he wrote please god the father abbot may content himself with making fun of us literary or philosophical questions already gave rise sometimes to disagreements Quote, i am at present correcting the second edition which the king of prussia is going to publish of the history of his country wrote voltaire fancy in order to appear more impartial he falls tooth and nail on his grandfather i have lightened the blows as much as i could i rather like this grandfather because he displayed magnificence and has some fine monuments i had great trouble about softening down the terms in which the grandson reproaches his ancestor for his vanity in having got himself made a king it is a vanity from which his descendants derive pretty solid advantages and the title is not at all a disagreeable one at last i said to him it is your grandfather it is not mine do what you please with him and i confined myself to weeding the expressions whilst voltaire was defending the great elector against his successor a certain coldness was beginning to slide into his relations with maupertuis president of the academy founded by the king at berlin quote, maupertuis has not easy-going springs the poet wrote to his niece he takes my dimension sternly with his quadrant it is said that a little envy enters into his calculations already voltaire's touchy vanity was shying at the rivals he encountered in the king's favour so it is known then by this time at paris my dear child he writes to his niece that we have played the mort de César at potsdam that prince henry is a good actor has no accent and is very amiable and that this is the place for pleasure all that is true but the king's supper-parties are delightful at them people talk reason wit science freedom prevails thereat he is the soul of it all no ill-temper no clouds at any rate no storms my life is free and well occupied but opera plays carousals suppers at sans souci military manoeuvres concerts studies readings but the city of berlin grand better laid out than paris palaces playhouses affable parish priests charming princesses maids of honour beautiful and well made the mansion of madame de tersonnel always full and sometimes too much so but but my dear child the weather is beginning to settle down into a fine frost the frost not only affected voltaire's relations with his brethren in philosophy it reached even to the king himself a far from creditable lawsuit with a jew completed frederick's irritation he forbade the poet to appear in his presence before the affair was over quote, brother voltaire is doing penance here wrote the latter to the margravine of Beirut, the king of prussia's amiable sister he has a beast of a lawsuit with a jew and according to the law of the old testament there will be something more to pay for having been robbed End quote. frederick on his side writes to his sister quote, you ask me what the lawsuit is in which voltaire is involved with a jew it is a case of a rogue wanting to cheat a thief it is intolerable that a man of voltaire's intellect should make so unworthy an abuse of it the affair is in the hands of justice 
and in a few days we shall know from the sentence which is the greater rogue of the two voltaire lost his temper flew in the jew's face and in fact behaved like a madman i am waiting for this affair to be over to put his head under the pump or reprimand him severely or lui laver la tête and see whether at the age of fifty-six one cannot make him if not reasonable at any rate less of a rogue end quote. voltaire settled matters with the jew at the same time asking the king's pardon for what he called his giddiness quote, this great poet is always astride of parnassus and rue quincampoix said the marquis of argenson frederick had written him on the twenty fourth of february seventeen fifty one a severe letter the prelude and precursor of the storms which were to break off before long the intimacy between the king and the philosopher quote, i was very glad to receive you said the king i esteemed your wit your talents your acquirements and i was bound to suppose that a man of your age tired of wrangling with authors and exposing himself to tempests was coming hither to take refuge as in a quiet harbour but you at the very first in a rather singular fashion required of me that i should not engage Fréron to write me news d'arnaud did you some injuries a generous man would have pardoned them a vindictive man persecutes those towards whom he feels hatred in fine though d'arnaud had done nothing so far as i was concerned on your account he had to leave you went to the russian ministers to speak to him about matters you had no business to meddle with and it was supposed that i had given you instructions you meddled in madame de bentinck's affairs which was certainly not in your province then you have the most ridiculous squabble in the world with that jew you created a fearful uproar all through the city the matter of the saxon bills is so well known in saxony that grave complaints have been made to me about them for my part i kept peace in my household until your arrival and i warn you that if you are fond of intrigue and cabal you have come to the wrong place i like quiet and peaceable folks who do not introduce into their behaviour the violent passions of tragedy in case you can make up your mind to live as a philosopher i shall be very glad to see you but if you give way to the impetuosity of your feelings and quarrel with everybody you will do me no pleasure by coming hither and you may just as well remain at berlin voltaire was not proud he readily heaped apology upon apology but he was irritable and vain his ill-humour against maupertuis came out in a pamphlet as bitter as it was witty entitled la diatribe du docteur akakia copies were circulating in berlin the satire was already printed anonymously when the great frederick suddenly entered the lists he wrote to voltaire quote, your effrontery astounds me after that which you have just done and which is as clear as daylight do not suppose that you will make black appear white when one does not see it is because one does not want to see everything but if you carry matters to extremity i will have everything printed and it will then be seen that if your works deserve that statues should be raised to you your conduct deserves handcuffs voltaire affrighted still protesting his innocence at last gave up the whole edition of the diatribe which was burned before his eyes in the king's own closet according to the poet's wily habit some copy or other had doubtless escaped the flames before long le docteur akakia appeared at berlin arriving modestly from dresden by post people fought for the pamphlet and everybody laughed the satire was spread over all europe 
in vain did frederick have it burned on the place d'armes by the hands of the common hangman he could not assuage the despair of maupertuis Quote, to speak to you frankly the king at last wrote to the disconsolate president it seems to me that you take too much to heart both for an invalid and a philosopher an affair which you ought to despise how prevent a man from writing and how prevent him from denying all the impertinences he has uttered i made investigations to find out whether any fresh satires had been sold at berlin but i heard of none as for what is sold in paris you are quite aware that i have not charge of the police of that city and that i am not master of it voltaire treats you more gently than i am treated by the gazetteers of cologne and lubeck and yet i don't trouble myself about it voltaire could no longer live at potsdam or at sans souci even berlin seemed dangerous in a fit of that incurable perturbation which formed the basis of his character and made him commit so many errors he had no longer any wish but to leave prussia only he wanted to go without embroiling himself with the king Quote, i sent the solomon of the north he writes to madame denis on the thirteenth of january seventeen fifty three for his present the cap and bells he gave me with which you reproached me so much i wrote him a very respectful letter for i asked him for leave to go what do you think he did he sent me his great factotum fetterschoff who brought me back my toys he wrote me a letter saying that he would rather have me to live with than maupertuis what is quite certain is that i would rather not live with either one or the other frederick was vexed with voltaire he nevertheless found it difficult to give up the dazzling charm of his conversation voltaire was hurt and disquieted he wanted to get away the king however exercised a strong attraction over him but in spite of mutual coquetting making up and protesting the hour of separation was at hand the poet was under pressure from his friends in france in berlin he had never completely neglected paris he had just published his siècle de louis xiv he flattered himself with the hope that he might again appear at court though the king had disposed of his place as historiographer in favor of duclos frederick at last yielded he was on the parade voltaire appeared there quote, ah monsieur voltaire said the king so you really intend to go away quote, sir urgent private affairs and especially my health leave me no alternative quote, monsieur i wish you a pleasant journey voltaire jumped into his carriage and hurried to leipzig he thought himself free forever from the exactions and tyrannies of the king of prussia the poet according to his custom had tarried on the way he had passed more than a month at gotha being overwhelmed with attentions by the duke and by the duchess for whom he wrote the dry chronicle entitled les annales de l'empire he arrived at frankfort on the thirty first of may only the king's orders had arrived before him Quote, here is how this fine adventure came to pass says voltaire there was at frankfort one freitag who had been banished from dresden and had become an agent for the king of prussia he notified me on behalf of his majesty that i was not to leave frankfort till i had restored the valuable effects i was carrying away from his majesty alack sir i am carrying away nothing from that country if you please not even the smallest regret what pray are those jewels of the brandenburg crown that you require it be sir replied freytag the work of poesy of the king my gracious master 
oh i will give him back his prose and verse with all my heart replied i though after all i have more than one right to the work he made me a present of a beautiful copy printed at his expense unfortunately this copy is at leipzig with my other luggage then freytag proposed to me to remain at frankfurt until the treasure which was at leipzig should have arrived and he signed an order for it End of chapter fifty five part two